All right, welcome to another episode of Affordable Housing and Real Estate Investing. Today, I got my friend Tech, who is a real estate investor, full-time real estate investor, doing this full-time. He has been investing in rental arbitrage, he's done fix and flips, and he just brings a whole wealth of experience. I'm really excited to share it all with you guys today. So, Tech, welcome to the show, man. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself, dude. Hey, first off, Appreciate this opportunity, Kent. Uh, it's actually my first podcast, so I'm, I'm honored to be on here with you. A <laughs> um, little bit about me. I mean, so uh, I guess my, my background, I mean, I'm Chinese-Cambodian. Uh, my, my parents immigrated here when I was about two, so I really basically got Americanized. I mean, learned everything mm -hmm. through TV, Sesame Street, <laughs> cartoons. That's how I learned a lot of my English. Um, but uh, yeah, just long story short, I've been investing probably, actually, I call myself the accidental investor, uh, bought a house in 05, 06, back to back, two new homes, not two new homes, sorry, one rental and then a, a new home that I moved into. Um, just at the time, you know, just got out of college, making money, single. My parents were like, go buy, go buy homes, you know, like you need the depreciation and all this stuff. And obviously as an Asian kid, not knowing I was like 25 or something like that, and she, you know, just, oh, sure, sure, mom, you know, do that. And, and then all of a sudden the market just went. <laughs> so uh, became an accidental landlord um, pretty much then and there. So That's crazy. That's crazy that your parents already knew about depreciation. Like, tell me, what was their background? Like when they came, I think they were immigrants, you mentioned. When they came over to the States, like what were they working on and how did they learn a little bit about real estate? I'm curious to like hear about their background a little bit. Well, let me start with this. So they bought bought their first house. Uh, I want to say it was like mid 1980s. I think it was like 1984, wow. maybe even. And um, she, my mom always tells me this because I'm in the real estate now. And she's like, <laughs> my first house, we bought it for like $75,000. But you know what the interest rate was? And I'm like, no, what? And she's like, oh, it's like 17%. I'm like, holy crap. I mean, we, we're here now in this environment that it's like, you know, going up to like seven, eight percent or whatever, and maybe a little higher. But you know, looking back at that, I'm like, man, 17, 16% or whatever. That's insane. So, um, but yeah, my, my parents knew that, you know, I needed, she was like, my mom was like, you know, either get married and have kids or, you know, go, go buy some real estate and depreciate because I had a lot of income, you know, I was single, like making good money. Um, at the time I was working as a uh, tennis instructor, a tennis pro at a local country club here in DC. So I enjoyed it and uh, learned a lot. I, I think that's really how I started my journey as to a, being an entrepreneur and trying to get into investing. Got it. Well, tell me about that first deal then. You mentioned like you kind of became a landlord by accident. Like, did, was it a big rehab? Like, how did you find a deal and how did you finance it? Yeah, great question. So my buddy, one of my best friends, and he still is, uh, my buddy Ramsey, shout out to him. He's an agent still here in D.C., Maryland. And uh, so he had just got his license. Market was hot in 05, 06, um, or 05. And, you know, I was his first sale. We got a condo nearby and, you know, we made it into a rental. He's like, this will be a good place, blah, blah. You know, my mom thought it was decent. And long story short, bought that one. Then uh, probably about I don't know, six, seven months later, bought a new build. And that uh, closed, I think, April of 2006. And then just shortly mm. after that, the market crashed. I, I can't remember. Of course. But I, I, I didn't know anything about real estate. I didn't know anything about investing. Like I said, I was, became an accidental you know, landlord after all this. So learn, learn, the, learn the ropes the hard way. <laughs> but that's okay. I mean, so with the market crashing, you know, like 06 and 08, right around there, like did you have to sell the property? And what, what else did you learn from that deal? 
I still have those. So you still have it, right? That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I went through the hard knocks. Um, so I'll talk about the first one real quick. The it's a uh, both of them are condos. The first one was basically a one floor condo, two bedroom, two bath here in um, mm-hmm. Montgomery County, Maryland. Um, so I I rented that uh, audit. We were gonna rent it, obviously, rent it out to a family that my mom knew, and then they left. Then rented another family that my buddy found. They left after two years, and then literally, um, and so I think we talked about, I got into what we have in Montgomery County called HOC, where it's part of the Section 8 affordable housing is what it call, it's called now. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been there for 14 plus years. So wow. she's been fantastic for the most part. I mean, I'm not saying it's, no, no one's perfect, right? But, you know, Correct. the government was paying. Um, my buddy actually found that that program, you know, got me linked up to it. Started cash flowing because the first two, three years, it wasn't cash flowing. I was paying out of mm-hmm. pocket. So, you know, obviously that hurts, um, but I was making, you know, money on the side. I wasn't thinking about it. Like I can, I get depreciation. I didn't even know what that depreciation was to be honest. <laughs> with you. Um, so yeah, that, that deal is, is great. Um, I'm thinking about um, when they move out to just make it a wrap now, because we, you know, we both okay. know creative finance. Uh, mm-hmm. But the other deal um, was a two floor brand new build, uh, three, two and a half condo. It was a great house, brand new build. My parents were like, oh, we're going to move up there when we retire, blah, blah, blah. She, mm-hmm. she designed everything. She like picked up the Whirlpool tub and you know, my mom was like excited. Wow. Um, <laughs> it was probably about, it's probably about an hour, hour, 15 minutes away from work, depending on traffic for me. I had to live in there because mm-hmm. it's primary residence. So I moved in there for about a year, year and a half, rented out one room to a friend of my brother's. Everything was good. And uh, then I started renting it out like full time because it's just too far to drive for me. So Got it. So uh, you that, had one property that's on like section eight and then another property that's just the regular long-term rentals. Yeah. And I didn't know okay. that uh, the, the other one was in the County North of where I am. I didn't know they had a program for that. And as I started mm-hmm. looking into it more, uh, I actually just sold that property uh, January of 2021. So last year. Oh my God. So let, let me make sure I caught that. Did you say your first tenant was in there for like 14 years? Did I catch that correctly? So the first, yeah, wow. affordable housing tenant, she's still there. Um, mm-hmm. She's in, in my first condo that I bought. So yeah, that, that was in the same county I live in. So I kind of self-managed that at the same time, pretty much um, for the last like 13, 12, 13 years. My buddy got her into the, you know, into the house, did all the stuff, mm-hmm. lease and stuff. And so, um, but th- basically from then I've learned property management, like she would call me if things popped up you know, yep. and just learn and just again, learning the ropes of, uh, let's say investing, how to deal with uh, little headaches that pop up. Yeah, but that's awesome, right? Because you mentioned like at first you weren't cash flowing, but then once you moved to the new program, you started cash flowing. And I and I want to make sure I call this out because one of the biggest expenses for landlords is actually vacancy, right? Any single time someone moves yep. out, they can go like a month or two months empty. And especially if you're just using even numbers, right? If you're renting out for like $1,200 a month and you're you're empty for just one month. That could be like your entire year's cash flow if you're only cash flowing $100 a month. So I think I love your example of how it worked out for you because you became profitable by also being able to keep one of your biggest expenses down. Like having a tenant that's staying there for 14 years, that's amazing, dude. Like, like how did you find this tenant? Like, did you, like, so we hear a lot about the bat rap with Section 8 and affordable housing, right? Sometimes you're inviting troublemakers, inviting drama, gangs, drugs, or whatever. But you clearly did not have that problem. How did you feel like 
you found a tenant that was so great. Like, did you guys have like a big screening process? Did you guys ask some questions? Like tell our audience a little bit about how'd you find a tenant and you know, how'd you develop such a strong relationship with your tenant so that they didn't leave? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I, again, I did not know anything about section eight, what, what is now, I think <laughs> recently being changed to affordable housing. And it, yeah, mm-hmm. you said it gets a bad rap. Um, I did not again know much of this. I'm, again, shout out to my buddy Ramsey who got this thing done, um, found this program through the county, got her, screened her, did all that stuff for me, um, and you know worked it out with the county. So really more about him than me. Um, and then mm-hmm. as as we went along after like a year or two, you know, they have yearly inspections. At least here, what we do is uh, I don't know how it mm-hmm. works other other counties, but here in the county where I'm. I'm at like they do like yearly inspections. So they check in, make sure the property's still safe, good to go. Obviously, there's wear and tear on, on the property. Mm-hmm. And as we went along, just long story short, like she, she, you know, the government pays for the majority of the rent. And then probably about, I'd say the last six, seven years, something like that, maybe five years, she got a job. Like she was paying, like to be honest with you, at one point she was paying $25 a month. That was her portion wow. of, the, of the payment. And she didn't even have it. I mean, I would go, you know, hey, do you have the, mm-hmm. the, the money? She's like, I only have like, you know, 20 bucks or $18 or something like wow. that. And so, you know, you have to make a little accommodations. And I think we both are on the same page of like, you know, it's only a few dollars here and there, but it's like, you're doing, the, mm-hmm. you're doing really good for somebody. I think it does get a bad rap. Um, and I know mm-hmm. that. And, um, and to be honest with for her, and she had two young daughters at the time, they're actually grown now. One's, uh, oh my God. I think one's like a junior. The other one's like freshman in college. So oh uh, they grew up in that house. They have friends, they have, you know, and so I think she's, she's already like planted seeds to me. Like, Hey, you know, when, what do you call it? Bobby gets older. We're probably going to look to move out because, you know, mm-hmm. they're, 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 they kind of want their own thing now and they don't really need to come back to the house. And I'm looking to change as well. Cause it's been a long time, like 14, 15 yeah. years uh, for everybody, for yeah. me and for her. So. Yeah. No, that's a long time. And in tech, you did something amazing, right? You provided them like a stable home. Like you literally provided a family, a home for like 14, 15 years and saw the kids grow up. And that's such a big difference. Like you literally gave them a chance because it's coming from a family that's just trying to put food on the table and don't have like 20, $25 for rent. That's a big difference, man. Like you literally changed their lives. And I just want to call that out. And, and also thank you. Cause you know, I grew up in affordable housing myself. And my mom has been in the same <laughs> apartment for like 30 years now, man, 30 wow. plus years. Wow. And she hasn't moved. Yeah. And, you know, obviously uh, one of my goals is like save up money and buy her a place or just so that she can be around us. But it all started with having a stable home that you can grow up with someone like you that's able and willing to give another family a chance like that. That's so beautiful, man. What a great story, dude. I'm so I'm so glad I brought you on this because people need to hear about what an amazing difference just one person can do, right? We hear about all these big developments, apartment buildings that are being built, but that's not the only way to help. You as an individual investor can step in and make an impact on just one family. And I think that's what's so cool about what you did here. And I really want to highlight that for our audience. Like you must be good about that, right, Tech? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, no, I appreciate that. Yeah, so it's funny now um, what we've done actually here, like I I got my license, my real estate license, um, probably about six, seven years ago to just partner up with mm-hmm. my my friend like i said ramsey and uh so we actually just probably let me think uh so two more affordable housing uh pro or homes mm-hmm. my, i got my parents a house it was short sale like just up the street 
fantastic mm-hmm. deal. I won't get into that, but long story short, um, we actually rented out to, uh, you know, affordable housing. They were like, okay, what's, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm getting a call. <laughs> Apologize. Uh, but yeah, so long story short, like that house, we, my parents cash flowed like $1,100. Wow. You know, we, we, we got a good deal. And my mom was like, are you sure? Are you sure? All this. I'm like, no, yeah. Like I looked at the numbers and uh, I don't know if every, every county state has this, but like in our county, you can go to the website. Mm-hmm. They have like, mm-hmm. you know, per zip code, how many uh, bedrooms and they have like basically a little spreadsheet, like, okay, in this zip code, a one bedroom, you can get this much and a two bedroom, you can kind of ask for this much um, as a cap. Right. And each year they update that sheet. I just recently found out mm-hmm. about that, but so we looked at it and I'm like, yeah, we should be able to get this, uh, this rate. And we didn't even go to the top. I think the top rate at the time was like 2910. And we just asked for like mm-hmm. 2800. Uh, we're like, okay. Got yeah. it. So, but yeah, we, we cash flow on that one for my parents and they're there now uh, coming up on two years. And just recently, yep. early this year, we got a, an investor, um, mm-hmm. my, one of our clients, we got him a house through another program, not Section 8, but another, like a, it's mm-hmm. like a homeless program, I think, in the, within the county or something like that. Um, so I'm helping manage that property for him. And he's cash flowing like $700 a month. So I was like, you're doing good. And that's the key thing. Like, you know, you do good, you feel good. But again, you're you're making money on on the property, right? As an investor for this guy, my parents, myself. Yep. But also, you're again, you're providing housing for somebody that needs it. Because now, like this lady, when she first started, the one that going back to my property, she mm-hmm. she didn't have a job, she didn't have any much money going through, and she was in this program for a long time. They wanted, they actually were in a rat infested home. She told me, I'm like, oh man, okay, you know, like there's rats flying around, and the landlord's not taking care of it. I'm like, yeah, you know, I. I take care of my property, obviously, and and she has, and she actually took care of the property very well too. Like she would clean it up when she was home. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's it's a win win for everybody, and that's the key thing. Yeah, so dude, you just said so much stuff, and I really want to take some time to unpack it. Right, if if the audience listening right now, the easiest and most simple first step you can take is simply Google your local housing authority, either by county or city. And you can look up by bedroom and by zip code, what the rent ceiling is, or what they call it the payment standards that the government's willing to pay for your rent. So right then and there, you can try and figure out like, Hey, what is my maximum rent? Instead of sometimes you might be trying to rent it out as a long-term rental. And you actually don't understand like, Hey, how much can I actually rent? Right. You might try to do some market comparability studies and figure out like, what's the neighbor renting it out for. But this is like kind of, black and white is listed out there and there's no sort of nebulous idea of like, Hey, how much I can rent it for. Right. So that's awesome. I'm so glad you called that out because that is so important. Everyone tries to think about like, how do I get started? There you go. Right. And this is an amazing business model, man. Like not only are you changing people's lives, like some people will just be like, Hey, I just want uh, $5,000 a month. And I think I'll be all set. You're making $1,100 on the house there, $700 on the house there. And you think about it, it's actually not that hard to be able to create what we call like financial freedom, right? Like you can just buy a few houses and do good at the same time and help somebody at the same time. Like that is beautiful, man. And, I, and I'm so glad you're able to come on the show and highlight this for the audience, dude. Yeah, I appreciate that. And it's funny because like as working, uh, so I, you know, like the, the property going back to my parents when I, I did it a couple of years mm-hmm. ago to get that renter, like we, we, you know, we go through, we meet people, we screen them, we talk to them, we get to understand their story and what's coming, where they're coming from. And then, you know, we have we still got to go through the background screening and stuff like that, but it's not based mm-hmm. on credit. Cause we, I, I and I'm talking yep. about credit because I go, I already know the credit's bad. 
it's yep. it's kind of a given for the majority, right? Like they've gone on hard times. We all will go on hard mm-hmm. times. It's 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 yep. you know real estate's in waves, right? So we're gonna be in the same boat at some time. So just give somebody a little give them like you said a chance. So the funny thing was I had a bunch of people that came in and they're like, well, they called back like, oh, right, since I didn't get a house, do you have another property? Can you help me find another one? And I would call mm-hmm. other agents and mm-hmm. I had to educate other agents. And that was the hardest part. The other agents wouldn't. Um, they're like, no, 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 no. We don't do section eight. We don't do vouchers. We don't do, I'm like, well, what's, what's the point? Well, we, we need their credit to be this much. I'm like, well, these people don't have good credit, you know? And I get it. Like they don't have good credit for, for a reason. I'm trying to educate these agents like, Hey, you know, look, I'm sorry, but you know, they're on hard times, but the government's going to pay. Like, what's the most important thing to your, your, you know, your client? Like, are they, that, that landlord, they want to get paid and they want to make sure their place gets taken care of. Well, I always tell these agents, like if these, these section eight tenants or these tenants, right. And the voucher tenants, if they don't do good, they mess up, they can lose their voucher. I mean, they, they can possibly lose that voucher. And then they're at the last point where they're not going to get any more help. So why would they take that chance of messing up? You know, t- keep that in the back of your mind. You know, you're, they don't want to mess up because they would lose their house. That's a big part for everybody. Yeah, man. And I love that you're taking the time to educate these agents and also like potential other landlords, right? Because it's not easy to overcome all these stories that people might have and like the beliefs about the program. Right. And you had to educate them. And sometimes like we talk about, Hey, you only want to invest in like red states, like landlord friendly states, but people forget, like there are strategies to make it work in a democratic state who is a little bit less landlord friendly, but they can actually help out other people because this housing choice voucher is like hitting the lottery for people. And I, I can't, and I can't stress this enough because look, when a family gets one of these vouchers and they get affordable housing unit, just like I, I tell people now, it's like 12 to 15 year wait list in, in San Diego. But in Boston, when I was in affordable housing, it was like seven years. And at point, one point they stopped taking any more applications for the building wow. that I was living in. They wow. stopped. Like you couldn't even get on a wait list anymore. So I think people, I need to understand like, just cause you might be in a state that, isn't as landlord friendly doesn't mean you don't have leverage, right? If people just need to be held accountable and this housing choice voucher is your best way to hold people accountable because it's a relationship. It's a contractual relationship. I'm providing you a home, a shelter in a nice safe neighborhood. As in return, we just want you to take care of our home, right? It's that simple, but there's many ways to make it work. And it's just all about educating people. And I love how you did that for some of your realtors and friends. Tech. Yeah. I mean, I think, oh. um, I, you know, going back, like, I don't know if, if Boston or San Diego does it, but we have those yearly mm-hmm. inspections. So we can, they, mm-hmm. they have their own, like, you know, third party inspector from the program come yep. out. I, yep. I also can go there if I want. And I check in on the property mm-hmm. with, with her, something pops up. She lets yep. me know. And it's again, it's a, it's a relationship that's built. Um, and she's good with yeah. that. And she's late sometimes on payment. I say, so long as you're letting me know what's going on, on mm-hmm. give me a little heads up don't just you know drag it out and like oh i can't pay you and then like last minute or something like that just be, be up front you know full transparency and that's how i like to work so and yeah i love good that man it. no that's great tech and maybe at this point in time i want to move the conversation to hearing a little bit about your other sort of experiences in real estate <laughs> right so you have a couple of properties sure. in rental arbitrage and 
you know, this is kind of what I'm preaching and like what I'm trying to do for my own portfolio and my partners, right? We don't want to just do affordable housing. We don't want to do just short-term rentals because we believe it's more risky to put all your eggs in one basket. But when you have a little diversification, some high cash flow from Airbnbs, but you have some maybe lower cash flow, but not in your case, you're still making like 700 bucks, $1,100 a month, but that's recession proof because the government, like you said, even when a tenant doesn't pay, the government is still paying on time every month. So you're really hedged against like a bad recession, especially in this current economy. So tell us a little bit about, you know, you went from affordable housing, then you went to rent to arbitrage. Like what made you make the flip? Was it the attractiveness of the classroom? Tell us a little bit more about what was going on in your head when you decided to invest in, uh, in Airbnbs. Yeah. So, um, to, to kind of backtrack on my journey, again, and back in 0506, became an accidental landlord. Didn't really get into, you know, care about that stuff, to be honest. Like, real estate was not on the radar. Investing was not on the radar. And then, like, when I started property managing and understanding, like, I needed to, you know, make this work, right? It's like, instead of being ne cash flow negative, losing money every month, like, let's try to get positive. And then that started me thinking a little bit more about investing. So, uh, jumped to, like, maybe when I was, like, 32, maybe... Uh, at the time, I'm 45 now, but uh, so 15 some years ago, I started looking more investing, did different things. Long story short, then I began in 2017. I got into flipping. My buddy Ramsey again got us into some deals there. We did some flips, and we still do one or two flips every year. Uh, now, in terms of rental arbitrage, I kind of did everything backwards. I became real estate investing, as I was told later on, was you start with wholesaling, you go to to flipping and then you go into like buy and holds or rentals, right? So I kind of did everything backwards. I got the I got the rentals first, started flipping, and then I did wholesaling when I started with sub two, Pace, Morby. Um, so that was like, wholesaling was all like 2021 for the most part. And um, found out I wasn't really good at it. And just, you know, I don't know if it's a failure or anything like that. I won't say failure, but no, it wasn't my personality. So I then sort of, or end mm -hmm. of 2021, I was like, I need cash flow. I went back and looked at different things and went to arbitrage. Felt like it was a fit for me because I like property management. I've been doing it for so long for my own rentals, my friends' rentals, my parents' rentals. And I was like, this should work for me, right? I, I enjoy that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I pivoted to that, looked into some markets, started diving into some videos and courses online. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, and I just started and I can try to pick up a property. Got my first one in McKinney, Texas, early this year. Second mm -hmm. one was in the middle of the year in Hawaii, in uh, Hula, Hawaii, on Oahu. That was uh -huh. a great deal. Um, That's cool. That I love one. that. <laughs> yeah, so that was uh, so far so good. I'm I'm looking for the you know next one or two. We'll see. Yeah, dude, I love that you you took you you mentioned like you looked at some videos you got yourself you educated yourself right you didn't just dive into it but you didn't spend all your time just reading and learning you actually took action on it and you got a property in texas you got a property in hawaii which is dope because you know we all know how expensive hawaii is so what has your been experience like how did you pitch the landlord to allow you to rent the property to airbnb let's start with that question yeah i mean i think it's actually a very it's a i do a three-prong process um Mm -hmm. Three question process. Like most landlords I talk to, like they'll end up saying yes because I answer again. I, I solve problems, right? That's what we do as investors. So the, you know, most mm -hmm. landlords uh, they want their they want to make sure that they're getting paid. And what mm -hmm. happens if you get we have to evict you? And then finally, like, mm -hmm. will I you know my property be taken care of? So number one, yeah, you're going to get paid because you can evict me. Secondly, mm -hmm. because I always say 
it's easier to evict a company, which is my company when I signed the lease versus a family, mm. right? They're pretty much from all the Got states. It. So it's a lot easier. Number, number one, number two are taken care of. Obviously, I'm going to pay you. Um, and number three, how the property gets taken care of is because I would say to the landlord, imagine me if I came in and I'm a guest of my of this property and it's trashed or mm. it's something beat up. It's not, it's not clean. I want to get a bad mm-hmm. review, right? So why would I have my right. business, you know, be in that, that situation? I'm going to take care of your property, right? I'm going yep. to clean it up each time people come in, th- come through. Uh, something small happens. I'm not going to call you. I'm just going to go ahead and take care of it. So like a clogged toilet or something needs to be fixed. Actually, I just like two weeks ago, um, after I got back from our, our Phoenix trip there, I had a message, you know, sink is clogged. Guests didn't tell you. I'm like, okay, cleaners told me, got somebody out there. Aww. You know, like, it was like, I think it was like 90 bucks or something like that. It was nothing major, thankfully. But like, mm-hmm. I didn't even t- tell tell the family. I'm like, yeah, hey, let's take care of it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I think people forget that this is just a customer servicing, right? It's like, hey, yeah. people are pretty understanding that when problems happen, now like people, things happen at my Airbnb all the time, but we always try to listen, we acknowledge it and we just kind of solve it, right? And I want to just hop back to the point of like how you pitch a landlord. I want to make sure I summarize that correctly for the audience. It's like you told them that you're going to pay on time. You're going to take care of uh, the property because you have turnovers and you need it to be in tip top shape. So for a landlord, you solve a lot of problems. You're getting the right, um, the rent on time every month. You're lowering your vacancy because you are going to be taking over the lease and you're guaranteeing. I'm assuming like for two year leases, like what, what are your lengths of your leases normally? We do, uh, yeah, long-term leases, 12. One of them is 12. The other one's 15. Got it. Got it. So you also giving your landlord some assurances like, hey, it's going to be a, a, a long-term rental, at least to a company. And you can always evict me, right? So I think you're protecting the the uh, the landlord very much in that case. And it's almost like it's a no-brainer for a landlord based yeah. on the way you pitched it. You're like, dude, like I'm going to be taking way better care of your yeah. property than anybody else that you might rent it out to. I love that. Exactly. And I mean, I, I, I feel like I'm the best option for them. And a lot of people don't know mm-hmm. it. I mean, sometimes I talk to agents and they have to, you know, kind of go through that or we hop on a three-way mm-hmm. call and both of them are usually like, wow, really? Like, that seems freaking fantastic. <laughs> like, why wouldn't we go with you? I'm like, yeah, you know. Uh, and then the last thing I'll, I'll say that sometimes if it gets to that point is um, with insurance, like we can put them as additional insured. And that's what I did with the Hawaii property. They, the family lives right next door. And I found mm-hmm. this out from the insur- from uh, proper the insurance company. Like, yeah, we can have them as additional insured in the policy as well if you want. And, and I told it. them that they're like, they're like, yeah, that makes us feel much better. So I was like, sure, well, let's go ahead and do it, <laughs> you know. And everyone's happy. Oh my Again, god! And Dude, I, I, I them- love that you're just like exposing all these like answers, <laughs> overcoming all these objections because as new people, they might be getting started. They're like, why would a landlord do this? Right. And you're literally dispelling every single objection that they might've come kind of like, were there any other objections? The landlords like raised like, Hey, what are their big parties? Cause you hear about that for Airbnbs. Like any other objections that kind of came up in your conversations whenever you're pitching rent to arbitrage to people? Yeah. I mean, they always ask about the parties and stuff, but you know, we try to mm. do our screening. We're not, no one's perfect. Every place will have, yep. you know, little things that happen. And yep. I mean, you got I guess the way to, to answer that question is like, well, you have a long-term renter there. Like they're going to have parties too, right? Like they're probably going to have more mm-hmm. parties. Think about it because now it's like, okay, well, one, one time they didn't call me. They didn't call the cops or nothing happened. Neighbors didn't, didn't say anything. Then boom, um, next time, you know, well, at Thanksgiving party here next time, I'm going to have a Super Bowl party here, a new year's party. I and mean, you have the same people having the same party versus where it's like for us, it's like, Oh, it's one customer. Maybe it's a one bad rap. And then the other, mm-hmm. the other guests, aren't going to have that happen again. So 
it's going to happen. No one's perfect. Um, and just get them to understand that. And I, I think when I explain it, for the most part, I try to be genuine. And I'm, I just truthfully feel yeah. like I'm the best option for these landlords. And when yeah. it comes out, most people are like, yeah, it's fantastic. I love the idea. Like, that's what do I sign? What do we do next? You know? Oh my God. That's awesome. So I love that we covered like the setup phase. How about operating the business? Like what are you seeing in terms of numbers? Would you be willing to share like numbers for one of your properties? Like how much did you lease for? How much are you kind of uh, renting it out for? Because I saw some pretty big numbers from you recently, man. Like it's pretty <laughs> yeah. impressive. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. No. Um, so the McKinney one for the most part is making on average, I would say 12 to 15, somewhere around there a month cash flow. Uh, it's not doing great right now. It's kind of slow season from what I've seen from other people. Uh, again, this is still mm -hmm. me within the first seven, eight months, something like that, but definitely yep. in the first year. So I'm kind of getting used to seasonality and knowing that area. Got it. Uh, Hawaii, Hawaii, the one we, I think you were mentioning was I had a really good booking just recently. Um, and long story short on that, I had it as a two, two units and upper and lower because there's a kitchen mm -hmm. downstairs as well. And I was like, okay, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll make more profit. I'll make it a lot easier. And um, the only shared part of it was the laundry and in the carport, mm -hmm. but you have the whole floor and the whole bottom floor. So I had a studio and then a three, two upstairs and I was doing well there. Uh, and then for the holidays, I just kind of was testing it. I put it on. Um, actually, while we were, while we were in Phoenix, I changed it starting in November to just one giant unit. Cause people were saying, yeah, you have the entire house, but it's not their entire house. And I said, you know what? Okay. But you know, for the holidays, let's just try it. And then I got a booking yep. like you saw for uh, five figures. It was great. Like three weeks, five figures. Um, very happy with it. And so what I'm doing now is like, I'm going to try to get some like a, uh, what is it? Gift baskets for each person coming in or each guest coming in to kind of just surprise them. Like, Hey, welcome to the Island. Um, hope you enjoy your time or however long you stay. Dude, let's go, man. A five figure booking, one booking, five yeah. figures that I'm sure that, that covers more than your rent, right? I'm assuming that covers your rent yeah. far and beyond it, right? Dude, that's yeah. amazing, yeah. dude. <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, Congratulations, we're dude. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, so we, uh, we're we good for November, and I think we're halfway through December right now, and yeah, it's kind of cash flow. My numbers to go back is, I'm rent, my rent is 6,200. My expenses mm -hmm. all in each month is about 66. So got it. Um, pretty much, yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a good deal. Um, they, they're happy. They live next door. And the, 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 the family that the landlords live next door, I mm. mean, they're, I've had guests say like the family next door is so amazing. They even brought fruit and co coconuts and things of that nature wow. over to us. So they, they, they actually love these people. Um, like they c come over and see the, see the house and are staying at their, technically their house. Right. So they're happy. And I always ask about like, whenever I have something pop up, if I need some help, they're willing to jump over there. Mm. Like, Hey, like long story short, I had a guest downstairs uh, before mm -hmm. I switched it over. And I'm like, these guests are asking about like salt and pepper. No one's upstairs. Do you mind like swinging by and just grabbing a couple of like things and just dropping wow. them off? And, and the guy wow. was home and he swung by. And, yeah. Cause I mean, you know, yeah. Yeah. And again, so it's but, a win-win. They're happy to help out and it's just small stuff. So. Hold on. I got, I got to highlight that because you have built such a strong relationship with your landlord because right. One of the hardest things to operate in Airbnb is finding the right help, like cleaners, a handyman and stuff like that. So yeah. finding reliable people and responsible people that are going to show up whenever you need them to like, that's the hardest part of running Airbnb. Like people don't talk about that because it's not the sexy mm -hmm. part of like getting a booking, but without those elements on your team, you 
you really can't be successful, right? It's like being able to solve these problems on a whim, on a go. And people, when they are here for a two night stay or three night stay, they don't have time to wait until two weeks from now for you to find a plumber, right? Not like a long-term rental. And I just want to make sure I highlight that. Like you guys got to build relationships with the people in your area, in your market, because they are the keys to your success. And uh, I'm just so impressed that you got the landlord to do this with you, man. <laughs> do this for you. That's that's amazing. Like, yeah, you no, must've been, that's such a strong relationship with them, dude. I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, and I pay on time and, you know, like I, I pay, I actually paid them early. I usually pay them like, cause I pay them through, uh, through apps and I just pay them half on the, the last it. day of the month. And then like the other half, second portion, full, full portion on the first of the month. Um, but yeah, they've been fantastic. They've been very good help. And they even have references like if, yo, you know, you need a handyman. We have somebody cause they just finished up the house. Yeah. Um, so they already had people they could recommend. And like you said, going back to cleaners and handyman, that is mm -hmm. the hardest part, finding good, good people. Um, and where this property is, it's kind of far Northeast of, uh, on mm -hmm. Oahu. So it's pretty much the countryside It's very hard to find good people. Um, <laughs> so I pay my guys and the people there. Well, I have to. Um, it's, yeah, I, I need that help. And it, since you, you know, once you find somebody good, you know, might as well pay them well. I mean, they, they, they're, I'm like yeah. all the way on the other side of the country, technically like, right. Like as far as can be, I'm in Maryland, they're all the way in Hawaii. I mean, <laughs> I flew out there, it's like a full day, so I'm not going to be able to fly out there. Got it. No, that's, that's amazing, man. And like, I want to call one another, maybe a little gem there. You actually pay your landlord half in during a month too like is he super happy about that was that in your contract or was just something that you decided to do to to kind of help him out and show as like a show of good faith or something like that yeah i mean i you know because i wanted to pay you know the full portion you know in the basically on the first of the month right like you, you pay your rent so what i did was mm -hmm. uh, i started paying him like on the 30th or 31st or whatever you know, the last day of the month yep. half and then the other half coming up so you Got know it. we worked that out and He's happy with it. Um, they're happy. I mean, she she is a young couple and they have a dog. And I mean, I've asked Got them it. like that. She to uh, just recently asked them like earlier this week, like, hey, you guys mind shooting me a little video testimonial? They're like, yeah, absolutely. Like, what do you what do you need? What do we say? I'm wow. like, no, just be genuine. Just be genuine. I want to put it on our, our website and kind of get stuff going to build that website to kind of you know for for other landlords that they have questions. So I, I love that that you're getting some more credibility by yeah kind of building up your reputation, getting testimonies. And it's all stems from you just being a professional and working really, really well with your landlords, man. Dude, I love that. I mean, also, I want to get to the next uh, question for here. How did you finance sure. all the furniture for for these rental arbitrages? Like, where did you get the money great from? Question. Did you have the partner with the money or did you find, or did you fund it yourself? Uh, great question. Yeah, so I funded myself. So for Hawaii, so I learned mm -hmm. my lesson. Let's <laughs> put it this way. Uh, I went on my McKinney one I went out there and I was planning on to do, uh, I think it was like 10 days I planned out to be out there. I was about to buy furniture, you know, from Facebook mm -hmm. Marketplace, different different things. Mm -hmm. and, and again, I, I had shout outs to people like, I had people help me out from the sub two community. Mm -hmm. we're, we're part of uh, Carolyn, Myron, Briley, fantastic. Love it. Um, they, they got, you know, got the trucks. We hauled some furniture together. I mean, they're big help, <laughs> major help. Um, yeah, there's a, I, I, Justin Minikis came out and helped me put some stuff together. Eight LJ Browner, mm -hmm. Kang fan. I mean, there's yep. so many, but the other person uh, was Tracy Tran. I'm not sure if you know her, oh. but Tracy came out, like picked like met me at the house the first day, helped me design. Like you should do this here and this and put a bunk bed here and 
then we started looking for furniture. She drove us around to look wow. for, you know, all the bedding. She did extra. I mean, she did beyond what she needed to do. So Tracy Tran, Dallas, Texas, she has a couple Airbnbs out there. She's working with Pace as well. And fantastic. That's I, awesome. I, I thank her so much. Like it's insane. Like I owe her so, so much. Um, but yeah, I learned my lesson from that one. I'm like, I'm not going to take, actually I had to extend my, extend my stay like three extra days, almost two weeks um, mm-hmm. to, to finish design. So what I did was in Hawaii, I'm like, I'm going to hire somebody. Now in order to fund Got this, um, going back to your question, I put on business credit cards, 0%. Awesome. I love that because I think people always think about like, well, I can't do it because I don't have money. And for you, someone that has some experience with real estate, you're like, well, how can I do it? There are 0% business credit cards that you could put over payment plans that you can fund it and then have the cash flow from the property just kind of pay it off, right? So you don't have to have so much money out of pocket. You might need a little bit of money for first and last on the lease. But for the most part, there are different options and financing options to get started. So really, there's no excuse for people not to get yep. started on this. Like you yep. have literally laid out for them how you can talk to landlords, how you can convince them. You have also laid out for them how to get financing for the furniture. So anybody, anybody can get started, right? Like you don't have a superpower that I don't know about, right, Tech? <laughs> I don't know about that. That's good. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I think you're right. I mean, just getting the, um, sorry, my about to lose. But yeah, in terms of, Financing, and I think it's a big part, like, you know, um, and I always tell people this when I, I talk to like other investors, because people mm-hmm. want different things. Like I, I like cash flow. Um, so mm-hmm. personally, this rental arbitrage was basically a cash flow play. It's so when I talk mm-hmm. to other investors, like, you know, you can have a wholesale business, you can have a flipping business, whatever the fact, but really like if I was to buy this property, like in McKinney, just going back to numbers, like mm-hmm. the, it was, it was half a duplex, one side of a, a duplex. And, I think mm-hmm. the value at the time when I re- was renting it was, uh, I want to say probably like 265, 275. So if you were okay. to buy it traditionally 20% down or whatever, that, that number is yep. definitely five, you know, five figures. But my numbers mm-hmm. when I went into this deal was the rent was $1,900. So I had to pay first month's rent, second month's rent, mm-hmm. and then a $40 application fee under $4,000 just to get into the house. So either way, I still had to furnish it, right? So I was either mm-hmm. going to put about 4,000 in to start or, mm-hmm. you know, what, I don't know, 35, 40,000, whatever that is going to be for the, um, you know, if I bought the place, right? So, and then you That's, still have to put like, right. what, ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000, whatever it is to furnish it. So it's the same cost, but I, I come into the, with less money. Now I don't own the property, which is a, a negative. I love to own property, mm-hmm. but uh, for this play, it was, it was for me, to be honest, this property in Texas was a beta test from this business model for me to just take action. I was going to make mistakes. Mm-hmm. I knew I was going to make mistakes. I was like, I yep. need to learn and let's go ahead and just start that and like learn how to operate it. Some people are asking, have asked me all the time, like, why did you just go to, to Dallas when you're in DC? <laughs> well, number one, <laughs> number one, uh, DC and the, the surrounding area and the counties where we, where I am, mm-hmm. they have really tough laws on short-term rentals. So got it. I yeah. had to, I had to, you know, make a move. I had to pivot. You no, know, Texas was great. Uh, I was looking down north, uh, southern, southeast Virginia, had to, had to run some issues there, and I basically pivoted. So, got it. Yeah, don't let, I mean, don't that's let stuff so stop important you. for. 
I, I completely agree, man. It's not about like people always complain about lack of resources, but you really just got to be resourceful, which is exactly what you did. You went to Dallas, you got some help because you were a good person first. You helped so many people. And I know that's your reputation within stuff too. You helped so many people. So people are willing to kind of give back and help you out. And I think that's just so important for you just to highlight for all of our audience. Like you just continue to build relationships with your landlords, with other real estate investors, and you try to give first and lead by example. And I think that has contributed so much to your success, man, today, Tech. And dude, I, I love your journey. And like, you're just able to share different ways of being successful in real estate. Everyone thinks you had to buy a property, but look, rental arbitrage, like the way you approached it, that was a really small risk to take. 1900, uh, was it 1900 there, 1900 there, $3,800. And then you got to pay some money to furnish, which you can finance through credit cards. So all in all, Worst case scenario, what are you out? You got to pay the monthly lease and you might have to sell off the furniture again that you bought on Facebook Marketplace. The worst case scenario is really not that bad. And I think that's what stops most people. It's the fear, right? So if you had any sort of mindset related advice for the audience today that's thinking about getting started, man, what would you what would you advise them on? Like, what's your advice on how to get started? Yeah, I mean, mindset, I think it's the biggest thing when it comes to real estate. I think a lot of real estate investors that have been in the business for a while. And that, and don't get me wrong, I've only been in it full time just for uh, actually about two years. November, mm-hmm. I think it was November 1st, November 4th or something like that. I left yep. my W-2 and went full time. So it's November 10th right now. So uh, just uh, over two years. And for me, I had to deal with a lot of ups and downs and just trying to figure out who I was. And that's part of the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tell a lot of, you know, new sub two students as well, like find out who you are, mm-hmm. um, try some stuff too. Like, I mean, you hear, hear our mentor Pace talk about, you know, do it for 30 days or not sorry, mm-hmm. so th- uh, three months, so 90 days. Right. So for me, constantly fighting ups and downs, it's always, not, it's not going to be let's put it this way. I actually told the, um, the, the wife of the Hawaii property, She's like, is everything going this smooth? She actually asked me at one point, does everything go this smooth? I go, no, when everything goes smooth, I'm actually more worried. I actually expect little bumps in the road <laughs> because that's part of life, right? Yeah, that's right. She's like, she's like, oh, like, yeah. And then ne- next day, I, I remember uh, the, the king bed I ordered was delayed and actually never got there from Amazon. So when I flew into flew into uh, what's it, Honolulu, I went straight to the Walmart and I had to buy a bed and I, you know, bought it over. So- yeah, nothing goes smooth. Part of life, right? It's it's you, know, you get knocked down. It's a matter of you getting back up. So, what, what they say, you only fail if you quit. That's true. And man, I, I love that you highlight another problem that people can expect to face. Right? It's like when you handle the shipping and a setup for so many so much furniture at your property. There's gonna be returns. There's gonna be things that don't show up, and there's gonna be problems. But I think just knowing that that's going to happen so that when it happens, you're mentally prepared for so you don't freak out is so important. And again, just knowing and also like you, like you can talk to anybody in your real estate community and be like, hey, I'm running into this problem. Have you guys ever faced something like this before? Right. And I think that's why it's so important for us to surround ourselves with people that are doing it so that if you have problems, you can always have someone else to ask a question about so you don't feel so alone. And I think having that community support is what I've learned is so, so important to be successful in real estate. It's like building those relationships, but knowing that if, when you come across a problem, you can also reach out to somebody else. Like if I had a question about rental arbitrage, dude, I would ask you if I wanted to pitch a landlord now for a rental arbitrage, I'd be like, Hey tech, let me, let me get that video, bro. <laughs> like let's, <laughs> let's use this video. And maybe I said like, Hey, you're my partner or something like that. But yeah. I just knowing that how you can be resourceful 
And just because like I haven't done a run to arbitrage board doesn't mean I won't, but now I know who to talk to, right? And it starts with just branching out and make sure like you talk to people. So that's awesome, man. Hey, tech, what do you need in your business right now? Do you need private capital? Like what can our audience kind of reach out to and help you out? Because you are definitely ahead of a lot of, you're more ahead than some newbies out there. So maybe some newbie can come out and help you out, but tell us a little bit more what you need in your business right now. Yeah, I mean, uh, thank you. So uh, obviously we're always looking for raising capital. Like we need capital for different projects. Uh, mm -hmm. Got a couple different deals in the pipeline, not rental arbitrage, mm -hmm. some buy and hold, some creative finance deals Got as it. well. So yeah, capital is always important. And I, I personally love giving information. Like I get on the phone all the time. Someone actually is like, mm -hmm. you need to get off the phone and work on your business. So <laughs> to revert to revert back, I to kind of what you were saying just, just recently, it was like the community. First off, I mean, whoever watches this, you have to join sub to. It's just no doubt. Slam Dunk's the best <laughs> freaking community in the world. Absolutely. And for real estate investors. Um, and, and I'll tell you a quick story if you guys don't mind. Like, yeah, when I, when I, when I went, when I went for this Dallas pro property uh, in McKinney, I, like two weeks before, I was like, oh, I, and I just locked up the lease and I posted into sub two, like, who, who's in Dallas? I'm coming to Dallas to set up an Airbnb. We end up mm -hmm. having a, a little meetup. Uh, I think the set, first Saturday night I was there some furniture was already in place and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. so a lot of these sub two students because of COVID hadn't met each other, even though they're all like roughly in the same, mm -hmm. you know, Dallas Fort Worth area. So it was kind of cool to bring some people together, number one. But here's the greatest thing about the, why the community is the best. I tell the story all the time. I knew nobody like that, that was there, like Tracy Tran, Christy Pate, mm -hmm. Car uh, Car Carolyn and Myron Riley. Um, yeah. I mean, these people like Justin Minnicky, who lives nearby my property, still helps me out about things. LJ Brown, who's moved out, Kang Fam, who helped me. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's, yeah. uh, man, there's Karina and Carlos. Um, people came out and they helped me put stuff together. They helped me buy furniture, helped me haul material, look up mm -hmm. on Facebook Marketplace. I mean, just a ton of help. And none of these people I knew before I went out and posted this. That's crazy, right? It's almost and mind blowing. Met, like, when you tell the story to other people, <laughs> people don't, people don't believe me. I'm like, I literally going out there by myself, knowing nothing, how to set up, knowing, you know, other than, okay, I need to, I know where I'm going to stay. I know I'm going to get my car. Uh, how mm -hmm. do I set this up? I have no design ability guys. I still have no freaking design ability. <laughs> I'm terrible. Uh, I need help like crazy. So that's, that's maybe another person I need an interior designer um, and somebody to help work on my systems. But other than that, like, I just kept moving forward and, and taking steps and you know, the community is amazing. I just post like even Hawaii, when I went to Hawaii, I was like, Hey, I need this. Mm -hmm. I need this camera, high. Uh, I said, Oh, here's my photographer. Use him. I use him. Wow. His videos and pictures are fantastic. Like, oh, so if you have if you need somebody on Oahu that needs photos, mm -hmm. I got a guy for you. Like, um, and same thing, the, the photo the photographer I got for my McKinney property got from Tracy. Um, so I, I'm using other relationships and, that's what I'm really good yep. at. Probably my superpower, I guess, like, is just networking and meeting people. I love talking to people. I love educating. Uh, I was yep. you know, 20, 20 some years as a tennis coach. I love passing on knowledge and coaching people. So uh, yeah, I mean, just, Dude. I want to thank all those friends that helped me. I, I definitely don't do this alone. Absolutely no way. 
And I love that, man. Like this has been an awesome real estate community and it definitely helped me address one of my biggest fears too, which is how do I find the right contractors, right? And you don't need to find the right contractors stuff. You can just ask people. And I think for anyone out there that's looking to join a community of real estate investors or another mentorship, do your due diligence. Like you got to talk to people that are in those programs to make sure like you're filtering out for the right tribe that you're trying to attract because not every real estate community in the world is going to help as much as what we have seen here within sub two where mm -hmm. someone shows up and like, Hey, can anyone help me? And people, so many people raise their hands. And I think that speaks volume to the type of people that we're around. And it's so amazing. And just to hear your stories about like, Hey, these are real truths, right? When you tell people about these stories, they're like, no way someone that never met you did that. Right. Because you and I stayed together in Phoenix and we have never met each other before. Yeah. But guess what? We had along well, yeah, we and we know that if we're like-minded and we're kind-hearted, like we're gonna get along. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we're we're all on the same journey, right? Like we're all trying to make you know money. We're trying to help. Yeah. Wh whatever. There's a why, right? My obviously, I think a lot of us get into real estate because we want time freedom, financial freedom. But at mm -hmm. the back of our minds, don't we all want to like do something good and help our families? Yep. I mean, that's the ultimate thing. Like, you know, it's, and unfortunately, I guess the, the world runs on money. Um, so it's tough. No, I mean, Tech, thank you so much again for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. I love that you're doing a little bit of everything. You've done fix and flips. Um, you've done affordable housing and you've done rental arbitrage. And just sh this shows people like there's so many different ways to make money in real estate. It's not just one thing where you just buy and hold or, you know, you buy and hold one property and you save another 20%. Like there are different ways to get creative. And it just starts with just being exposed to other paths that are available to you. So thank you for coming on and showing the audience that there is another path to make it in real estate besides that traditional way that sometimes we're only taught from our parents because that is so important for people to know. And I, dude, thank you so much for what you do again, man. I really love your story. I love where your heart's at and I know we're going to do some business together, dude. So thank you again. Yeah. And if people want to reach out to you, they want to find out more about you, where can they uh, reach out to you? Yeah. The uh, handles right there, the uh, IG handle tech underscore the underscore investor. So you can follow me there. I, I, you know, you'll see me. My daily life stuff is on there. I love golf. I love uh, investing and I just love meeting people. So if you're in any real estate, like I just like to learn from other people as well. So thank you first off, Kent, for allowing me to be on here and sharing my story. Thank you very much yeah. for everybody, whoever listens. Hit me up. Dude, this is awesome. This was fun. So thank dude, you. thank you again. And Appreciate we'll it. catch up again later, man. Have a good one. Thank you everyone for listening. All right.